0: Jesus of Nazareth lived such an extraordinary life that it strained the imaginations of those who knew him and wanted to codify his memory for posterity. A friend of mine puts it elegantly. He says that the life of Jesus is so beautiful that it bankrupts language. Jesus breaks the bank of words. There are insufficient funds to draft the payment. And so scripture piles up a plethora of pictures to describe what Jesus means to the human race. And some of these images and metaphors are mutually contradictory, and if you place them next to each other, as Sylvia Dunstan does in her hymn, Christus Paradox, they seem like oxymorons. So Jesus is lamb and shepherd, victory and defeat, peace and strife, prince and slave. So the choir is going to sing an arrangement of Ms. Dunstan's hymn, Christus Paradox, in a moment. And I know how easy it is to get lost in the beauty of the music, but I hope this evening you'll attend as well to the meaning of the poetry and learn something new about our Lord. And I hope this spiritual experience will be as rich for you as it has been for me as I've studied this beautiful piece of music. First, the lesson from the evangelist, St. John, chapter 1. John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. And what has come into being with him is life, and the life is the light of all people. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld his glory, glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. The paradox Sylvia Dunstan repeats most frequently in her hymn, Christus Paradox, is the everlasting instant. She says it four times. It's a paradox, a moment that lasts forever, the everlasting instant. But what I think Ms. Dunstan means to say is that in an instant, in a life which was really no more than a blink of an eye, just 30 years, the vast span of eternity stretched out before the human race. He had a name, he had a face, he had a birthday in a hometown. He wore a tool belt and work boots. He laughed and he cried, he lived and he died. And to look at him, there was nothing that would tell you there was anything extraordinary about him. Just an ordinary carpenter. But then to hear him speak, to feel his touch, to look over his shoulder as he faced down the powers that threatened to crush the little, the last, and the lost. It was as if we were looking into the heart of God in this brief instant, this blink of an eye, these 30 years. In the beginning was the Word, says St. John, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. And what's come into being with Him is life, and the life is the light of all people. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld His glory, glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth Thirty years, just a fleeting moment. The blink of an eye, yet in it we glimpse the infinite. In him, the metaphysical became physical. The abstract became concrete. The ineffable material. It's so local, it's universal, yes? Who's read R.J. Palazzo's novel, Wonder? Or seen the recent film with Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson? One of those rare occasions where the movie is as good as the book. Wonder is about 10-year-old Augie, whose facial deformity turns fifth grade into a terrifying adventure. And you know what my favorite moment in the story is? Remember the high school play? Via, Augie's older sister, is playing Emily Gibbs in the high school play, Thornton Wilder's Our Town. My favorite moment in the novel Wonder. Greatest American play ever. Death of a Salesman, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, or Our Town. Discuss them and yourselves. <laughs> Since it was written in 1938, Our Town has never, ever once gone on hiatus. Pul- Pulitzer Prize, 1938. Grover's Corners, New Hampshire, maybe the most famous town in America that never existed. It's so local, it's universal. The Webbs lived next door to the, uh, to the Gibbs. And are there any names more American than Webb and Gibbs? George Gibbs and Emily Webb. Who knows them? Nobody. And everybody. In Our Town, says one drama critic, Thornton Wilder finds eternal truth in a brief moment of time and space. In Grover's Corners, Thornton Wilder shows us the Alpha and the Omega of human existence. The stage manager tells the audience, this is the way we were in our growing up and in our marrying, in our living and in our dying the alpha and the omega of human existence, help me to understand what God was trying to do when God sent Jesus to show us what God was like, the alpha and the omega of human existence in just the briefest instant and isn't Christmas, the everlasting instant for you and your family. O oh, little town of Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Barbara Brown Taylor says that every Christmas is a kind of a time machine. Christmas Eve, she says, takes us back to every other Christmas we've ever spent on this earth. Yes, That's why it never changes. We do it the same way every year. Bing Crosby singing White Christmas. Burl Ives, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Linus reading And They Were Sore Afraid in A Charlie Brown Christmas. How many times have we heard that stuff? It's a time machine. I'll be home at Christmas if only in my heart we sing. Wistful. We get wistful at Christmas. Isn't that the right word? Trying to recapture a lost past so valiantly every year, trying to recapitulate we've known since we were children. And even the children are wistful at Christmas. Even children who have so little past to live off of, they get wistful. One Saturday morning during Advent, my wife and I were sitting at the kitchen table and my daughter was about eight years old and she was sitting in the other room next to the Christmas tree and she was concentrating as intently as I've ever seen her concentrate on anything. She was writing a list a list of all the traditions that are mandatory at my house so that not one of them would be forgotten. So number one, drive an hour across the Connecticut countryside, over the river and through the woods for a hayride and Christmas tree harvest. Number two, decorate the tree with all 24 Snoopy ornaments. Check. (laughs) Number three, listen to John Denver and the Muppets every day, all the time, without cease. John Denver and Ralph, the piano-playing dog, singing I'll Be Home for Christmas. Number four, listen to Andy Williams. Isn't Andy Williams dead? Why do my children listen to the same music I listened to in 1965? Number five, watch Home Alone when you get home from church on Christmas Eve. I don't go to bed till 4 o'clock in the morning (laughs) on Christmas Day, but it has to be done. It's obligatory. She was writing a script, a business plan, A Christmas agenda, so that not one thing would be left out. And while she's compiling this list, unmindfully, quietly, she's singing Silent Night, along with John Denver and Gonzo and Scooter and Kermit. And my wife says, that's so cute. And she begins to weep. And the memories of the past and the hopes of the future prism into a rainbow. And the memories of the past, the hopes for the future are met in that everlasting instant. Don't you know? I haven't told you anything about Sylvia Dunstan, have I? I've told you that she's from Canada, but did I tell you that she was born in 1955 and raised in the Salvation Army and studied music with the nuns at the local convent? that she was educated in Toronto and ordained by the United Church of Canada, that she was a prison chaplain. And maybe that's where she got the inspiration for that vivid language, shining in eternal glory, beggared by a soldier's toss, the transposition of these two hilltop experiences, the Mount of Transfiguration and the summit of Calvary's Hill, where soldiers tossed dice for his cloak, the only thing he owned. They say she was kind and compassionate. She served gay and lesbian congregations. And in 1993, she found out that she had cancer, the worst kind, cancer of the liver. And four months later, she was dead. She was 37 years old, just a little older than Jesus when he died. Life is so short. He came to show us how to live it. He came to show us how to fill our brief instant with everlasting significance. He came to show us that the meaning of our lives does not begin with our birth nor end with our death, but goes on and on and on, held dear next to the heart of God who created time in the first place. And so my wish for you this Christmas is that you will have just one moment When you watch your child compiling her Christmas business plan and hear her singing Silent Night, and the only proper response is to weep, just one everlasting instant, a joy beyond the walls of this world more poignant than grief.